Welcome to the You Love and You Learn podcast, the place to learn about all things love, relationships, relationship anxiety, and to deconstruct the one-size-fits-all narrative of what it means to be in a happy relationship. I'm your host, Sarah Yudkin, a relationship anxiety coach who's on a mission to discuss the nuances of love and relationships that I wish someone would have shared with me years ago. My goal with each episode is for you to leave with an expanded definition of love and relationships and with practices to carry with you in your life and relationships on a day-to-day basis. I'm so grateful to have you here. Welcome back. I'm happy to be here with you for another episode. And this one is exciting for me because it is my last solo episode of the year, but I'm excited because there's been over 50 episodes now in 2023. And I'm really excited that I'll get to close out the year with you in this solo episode. I'm so grateful for all of you listening to the podcast this year. It's been really such a fun project for me. And in a recent survey that I did to hear what you would like to get more of for me in 2024, how I can continue supporting you and helping you in your journey. A lot of you said that the podcast was one of your favorite ways to learn. And so I'm really excited to bring more of that in 2024. So if you're newer around here, be sure to check out some of the past episodes. There are a ton of topics that hopefully you will resonate with And I'm really excited for, again, another year of the podcast in 2024. So this topic that I'm going to share more about today is something that was actually requested by someone in the You Love and You Learn community. And I really love doing episodes that have been submitted. So if you have a topic that you'd love to learn more about in the podcast, feel free to send me a DM at You Love and You Learn on Instagram. I will absolutely be open to any topic that someone suggests. So I do like to share episodes that I also think will be helpful for a large group of my community as well. So if I haven't done a topic yet, I might be doing it soon that you've suggested, or it may just be that I'm either waiting on to bring a guest expert that I think would be a better fit to talk about it, or it may just be such a specific topic that I don't know if the broader you love and you learn community will resonate as much. So love to hear from your suggestions. Please keep them coming. And thank you again so much for listening. So the topic today is around imposter syndrome and almost this notion of having imposter syndrome in your relationship. So somebody asked, I have the fear that even though I'm confident and content with my partner in relationship, someone else may see through it and call us out on our bluff, that we're incompatible, not right, etc. No one has ever said this to us, but the fear is there. And I've had other clients of mine with a similar fear come up or feeling like they have imposter syndrome in the relationship, especially because of having relationship anxiety. It's almost like, oh my gosh, do people know that I'm not fully confident or fully sure about the relationship? And really, you know, using almost like mental loops of really worrying what are other people thinking or how is our relationship coming across and how do people think of me in this relationship? So let's go into a little bit more about what imposter syndrome is. There were a few definitions that came up for me that 
I felt were appropriate for this discussion today. And the first one was that imposter syndrome is the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own effort or skills. So what stood out to me in this definition was not believing that it's deserved to be in this relationship perhaps, or that it hasn't been legitimately achieved, which is so interesting. Like It's almost like we have to really work hard to make sure that we're deserving of this solid relationship in some senses. So that definition stood out to me. Another one was the uncomfortable feeling you experience when you think you're unqualified and incompetent. You might look around and assume everyone knows what they're doing except you. And that one felt really interesting to me, unqualified, incompetent, feeling like everyone else knows what they're doing. That one I think is such a big piece in relationships because there's so much comparison that we do. We can look on social media and feel like everyone has their relationship stuff figured out or we might compare to our friends or family and feel like everyone else's relationship is so great and so buttoned up. And then on the back end of our relationship, we think that it's you know so challenging and or there's things that are maybe messy and imperfect and we worry that we're the only one who has that experience. So that felt really true. And then this final definition, a persistent internalized fear of being accused of fraud. And the word fraud here is not necessarily in the literal sense of like, oh, you stole money or something like that. But for this context of the conversation, I do think that the word fraud is relevant because I know that for me, when I would have my moments of kind of the deepest relationship anxiety, I would feel like a fraud sometimes, not only when I was showing up towards Nate, when I wasn't 100% sure that I was feeling as loving as he was, but I was still kind of showing up and moving forward, or having this feeling of being a fraud, like other people just seem so genuine and so happy in their relationships, they can't possibly be having any of these doubts or questions, and so I shouldn't even be here, I'm a fraud for even moving forward. So that was some of my thoughts in the most kind of anxious moments or when I was really getting caught up in my head. And I would say if you've had that come up, just know that it's normal to be in that worried place. And I'll share a little bit more here in a second, but I do think that most times it's kind of coming from a good place, even though maybe it doesn't feel so comfortable. So As I was preparing to talk about this, there were a few factors that I thought were really pertinent that contribute to this notion of relationship imposter syndrome. The first one is something that you've heard me talk about a lot. I just did a two-part episode on this, and that is perfectionism. So feeling like something is never enough. Like you're never going to be a good enough partner. Your relationship is not enough that no matter how content you feel or no matter how confident you feel, it's never enough and that you just have to keep moving the goalpost either in your relationship or how you show up in your relationship or you have to feel more good feelings all the time. And so understandably, if perfectionism is driving us, then we may feel relationship imposter syndrome because we need more I guess, like approval from people, more goodness, more everything in the relationship in order to feel like 
we are good enough in the relationship and that the relationship is good enough. So if you haven't already, go back and listen to the two-part episode I did on perfectionism, perfect moment syndrome, and high expectations in relationships um, because that gives a lot more context on the factor of perfectionism. But I do think that it is related to this notion of imposter syndrome. A lot of the things that I talk about are very interconnected. And as you'll see here in a few minutes, a lot of the things that I talk about, I think are actually symptoms of something deeper. So more on that here in a second. Another thing that likely contributes to relationship imposter syndrome is this notion of having more of a fixed mindset in relationships compared to a growth mindset. Now, I may do a full podcast episode on this. Let me know if you would be interested in understanding how fixed mindset and growth mindset can contribute to relationships. But at a very high level, a fixed mindset is feeling like your relationship or you as a partner is either good or not good. You're either compatible or you're not compatible. Um, you're either like right or wrong. It's kind of like this partner is either good for me or bad for me, and I'm either good for them or bad for them. And there's not much gray area. There's not much room for growth. Now, the reason why I think that this can contribute to relationship imposter syndrome by having a fixed mindset is that instead of feeling like your relationship is kind of constantly evolving, you almost feel like, your relationship needs to be at this certain level all the time, or at least like you need other people to perceive that your relationship is at this certain level all the time. Um, In this prompt that someone shared with me that inspired the podcast episode, they said, I'm scared that someone will think that we are incompatible or not right. Um, And when we are kind of going through life and going through our relationship thinking that things are either fully incompatible or compatible, fully wrong or they're right, it's it's just a very fixed approach to how relationships are versus a growth mindset, which says things are constantly growing and evolving. Even if we're not perfectly compatible, we can always continue showing up and learning how to show up for one another. And even if we aren't perfect as partners or even if we're not perfect in the dynamics in our relationship, trusting that those are things that can be worked on, those are things that can grow, those are things that can evolve. So that is definitely a factor that likely contributes to relationship imposter syndrome because if you're constantly like measuring your relationship and needing it to either be this way or that way in order for it to be good or worthy – then there's going to be probably a lot of fear around how other people are viewing and perceiving your relationship based on how you are perceiving and viewing the relationship. And then another factor here that likely contributes to relationship imposter syndrome is lack of self-trust. Now, self-trust is a vast topic. Again, this is another one that I may do a full solo episode on and how it can contribute to relationships because at the end of the day, self-trust I think is a little bit misunderstood. Sometimes we think of self-trust as I have to trust that my choices will always work out or I have to trust that no matter what, I will make the right decision. I have to 
be able to solidify a positive outcome in order to move forward and trust myself. Whereas my belief is that self-trust is actually trusting yourself to figure it out no matter what happens. Trusting that you will be okay even if the outcome isn't what you are hoping. But ultimately, if you don't feel like you have self-trust when it comes to choosing a partner or navigating a relationship, then it would make sense that you have a little bit of imposter syndrome because you're looking to other people to validate your choice and partner, to validate that your relationship is enough, to validate that it's okay to move forward. And I'm guilty of this. For a long time, I outsourced a lot of my relationship stuff to my friends. Do you think we're good together? Can you remind me of all the great things about me and Nate's relationship? I feel so stuck. Like, what are what do you think? And that never necessarily reassured me for longer than maybe a few minutes or a few hours. Ultimately, what I had to do was turn back inward and acknowledge that this is my relationship. And so I'm the one that's responsible for deciding to move forward or not. But I can see why if there's a lot of, I guess, fear around what other people think of you, whether you know these people or whether it's just kind of these faceless people out in the world that you worry might think something about your relationship, then it makes sense that you might have imposter syndrome in your relationship because you're kind of looking for external input to validate the internal feelings that you have about the relationship. So now that we've covered those three things very quickly, perfectionism, fixed mindset, and lack of self-trust that are contributing to relationship imposter syndrome, I want to go a bit deeper. Like I just said I was going to go, I believe that these three things, the perfectionism, the fixed mindset, the lack of self-trust, are likely symptoms for some sort of deeper core fear. And I honestly believe that at the root of most syndromes that we label these days, like imposter syndrome, whatever syndrome is coming up, even underneath the surface of relationship anxiety as a label, there is something going on at the root. Now, when I say that, sometimes that can bring up some fear even in in just hearing that. Well, what does the root mean? Like, does that mean that what's going on underneath the surface is that I shouldn't be with this person or, or that I'm getting signals about something? And sometimes that could be true. However, just notice how these factors that I discussed None of these things really have to do with your partner. Perfectionism does not have to do with your partner. That's something that is a pattern in our life individually. A fixed mindset or a growth mindset doesn't have anything to do with our partner. A lack of self-trust about making decisions has nothing to do with what partner we're with. Now, none of these things have to do with a partner if we're in a healthy, loving relationship. If you're in a relationship where someone's manipulating you in some way and you don't trust yourself, then that's a different story, but that's not what my podcast is referring to. I will have an episode coming up soon about what is an unhealthy situation and unhealthy dynamics in a relationship, so more to come on that. But as you listened to those three things, you can see that those factors, perfectionism, a fixed mindset, and lack of self-trust 
those are inner stuff, right? So when those symptoms pop up, there's likely something underneath those symptoms that is causing them. And I'm going to give you some examples of what that could be. So I'm going to play out a couple different, I guess, core fear exercises, if you will, underneath what could be causing relationship anxiety or relationship imposter syndrome. One example would be maybe you have the thought that someone else thinks our relationship is bluffing or incompatible, and that's what's causing your relationship imposter syndrome. So someone else thinks our relationship is bluffing, it's not enough, it's incompatible, whatever it is. And what I would do with a client in that situation is I would kind of check in with them. Why does that feel scary? What feels scary about someone else thinking that your relationship is bluffing or incompatible? And they might say something like, well, that would mean that the relationship isn't good enough. And I would continue to check in with them. Well, why would that be so scary? Maybe because I can't then trust my decision-making in the relationship. And then that would be scary because it means I'm not smart enough and I don't have a strong enough intuition. And that would be scary because it might mean that I'm doing wrong things in my life or doing bad things in my life because I don't have a strong enough intuition. And then maybe even in the most extreme forms, that would mean my life will be a mess. It won't work out how I want it to, and I won't be fulfilled. And if you push it even farther, that could mean if you don't have a life that's fulfilled, then you would be a failure. And below a failure, which is already really even scary to think about, what would it mean if you were a failure? It might mean I'm a bad person, I'm not good enough, whatever it is. So that is one example where the symptom of relationship imposter syndrome, which is, is someone thinking that my relationship is incompatible or a bluff, really like five to eight layers deeper than that is, am I good enough? Am I enough? Am I a good person? Let's just do one more example so you can kind of see what I'm talking about here. Another thought that could pop up if you're experiencing relationship imposter syndrome might be someone else doesn't think our relationship is right or does someone else approve of our relationship? And if you kind of question that a little bit more, why would it be scary that someone might not approve of your relationship? Well, that would mean people might be judging me and my partner. There could be judgment of me, judgment of my relationship. And why would that be so scary? Well, because then it might mean people don't like me. And that might mean that I'm not fitting in. I'm not doing the right thing. I'm not going to be okay in the group of friends or family that I have. And then that might mean that I might even lose some of these important relationships to me. I could lose my friends or family's approval. I could lose my connection with them and maybe even lose this relationship as a result. And how scary that could even be played out like much further down the line is like, what if 
I end up alone? And what if I don't have the support of loved ones or I don't have this relationship anymore? And what would that mean about me if I'm alone? Well, it could mean that I'm unlovable or not worthy of having a happy, loving relationship. So those two examples went much deeper under the surface than what if my relationship is not right or what if someone else thinks our relationship is incompatible. These core fears run deep, right? Like the fear of being a failure, the fear of being a bad person, the fear of not being enough, the fear of ending up alone, the fear of not fitting in, the fear of losing relationships, friendships, family connections. These things are scary. And it's not like they're coming up at the surface all the time. It's not like we're going around thinking like, oh my gosh, I hope I don't fail. I hope I'm not a bad person. I hope I'm you know, good enough. These things are stored deeper in our subconscious. But what's happening at the conscious level is things like relationship imposter syndrome, relationship anxiety, perfectionism tendencies, comparison. All of these are symptoms of deeper fears. Am I good enough? Will I have a fulfilling life? Am I lovable? Am I doing the right thing? So I just want you to sit with that for a second and see if any of that resonated with you and even maybe take a deep breath because some of these fears, like just acknowledging that those live within you somewhere can be hard. But again, having fear is part of being human. So I don't want you to feel like by having these fears that there is something wrong with you in any way. We all have fear. It just shows up in different ways for different people. So in a moment here, I'm going to get into how to respond differently when relationship imposter syndrome comes up. If this is something that you experience, I'm going to give you a handful of ways to respond differently versus maybe what happens now, which is kind of feeling like, oh, why is this here? I want this to go away type thing. And um, maybe it doesn't feel so comfortable now when it shows up. So I'll get into that in a second. I did just want to add a quick note before that where I think that if you experience relationship imposter syndrome, there's probably different levels to it, right? So the person that wrote in said that I'm confident and content with my partner, but I'm worried someone else may see through it. And one thing I'll say about that is when we are truly confident and content in something, then we can use that as our baseline and we hopefully won't need other people to validate that as much. So I think there's always room to continue, you know, focusing on our relationship more and knowing that it's our responsibility. However, if you're listening to this and maybe that question that someone asked where they said they feel confident and content in their relationship, maybe you don't feel that way right now. Maybe you don't feel as confident or content about the relationship. And I'd imagine that the less confident and content you feel in a relationship, the more relationship imposter syndrome could come up. And that makes sense. I want to let you know that that still doesn't necessarily mean that the relationship can't work. And I came from a place of feeling deeply 
anxious and scared and uncertain to now being able to have that confident and confidence rather and the contentment that I've been craving. And it's not a state of permanent feelings of confidence and feeling content. It ebbs and flows, but for the most part, I'm able to come back to that place of confidence and feeling content. And so even if right now you're not feeling that way, it's really just an invitation to continue to explore more about your core fears, more about what might be making it so big and scary for you to feel more confident and content in your relationship and to learn how to respond to those fears. So now let's go into how you can respond differently when relationship imposter syndrome shows up. I have, I think, six ways here. The first one is by being kind to yourself for experiencing it in the first place and giving yourself compassion. Now, self-compassion is something that I've mentioned in many podcast episodes at this point already, but it is so, so, so important. It's very different to respond to moments of imposter syndrome with being like, "Mm, yeah, this is hard. And so you're not doing this on purpose. Just remind yourself that you're doing your best and that's all you can really ask of yourself. The second way to respond differently to relationship imposter syndrome is by practicing coming back to the present moment and practicing coming back to feeling safe in your surroundings. Because as we just discussed, there can be a lot of fears that are underneath the various symptoms that we're experiencing. So if our brain and body are kind of on overdrive, then oftentimes underneath the surface, there is some sort of fear. There's, we're maybe scared, as we talked about, maybe not being good enough or, or of failing or what other people think of you and how that would affect you. So instead of trying to ignore feeling scared, you can absolutely tend to those feelings of fear. If you are alone, you can kind of put a hand on your stomach, you can put a hand on your heart and practice breathing slowly and deeply. What helps for me is to breathe out longer than I breathe in. So let's say I breathe in for three seconds. I practice trying to breathe out even more slowly, like for five or six seconds, which helps slow down my breathing and helps me get a little bit more grounded, a little bit more regulated, and able to just get back into where my feet are in front of me instead of up in my head swirling around. Another practice you can do if you're alone or if you're not alone is practicing noticing the sensations in your body without labeling them. So let's say that you feel some tightness in your chest, or maybe there's like, it almost feels like there's a moving ball of energy in your chest. You can acknowledge that and notice it without labeling it as, well, this must be because of my relationship. This must be because of this. This must be because of that. Just practice noticing and continuing to breathe and stay with your breath without necessarily trying to fix or get rid of the sensations. There's a really cool statistic from a neuroscientist named Jill Bolt-Taylor that says feelings actually usually only last about 90 seconds in the body, but when we label the feelings and try to add story or interpretation on top of the feelings, that's what often causes them to stay around longer. So we can practice noticing feelings or sensations without needing to explain them away. If you're out with a group of people, let's say that you're in a group of friends and you're worried like, oh, do people 
think that our relationship is good enough or not. Maybe you're not going to practice the deep breath in that moment with your hand on your chest or hand on your stomach, but you can still bring yourself back and be mindful of your breath. If needed, you could quickly excuse yourself, use the restroom, run some cold water over your wrists and take some deep breaths. But then when you come back to the moment, practice being present in the moment. When you're thinking about what your friends are thinking about your relationship, you're not really engaging with them in that exact moment. You're not fully present. You're not fully listening. You're not fully contributing in the way that you could if you were focused on what was happening in that exact space. So try to interrupt if you can the additional thoughts or interpretation of what's happening in the moment and bring yourself back to what is there. And you can use the five senses to do that. So what am I hearing? What am I seeing? What am I smelling around me? What can I taste? Maybe you have a nice glass of water and you can taste like the cold with the ice or whatever it is. Um, And then what was the last one? What can you touch around you? So like your clothes or something that's on the table, whatever it is. That's a really big important piece of this puzzle here is relationship imposter syndrome is kind of happening in our mind. But if we are coming back into the present moment and really re-engaging with the present moment, then there won't be the same space for the relationship imposter syndrome to continue. Second, or the third one rather, third tip here to respond differently to relationship imposter syndrome is by shifting your focus to celebration, celebrating the ways that you are a great partner, celebrating the ways that you have a great partner, and celebrating the relationship. Because at the end of the day, relationships or partners are always going to have some imperfections, some flaw. We're always going to have some imperfections or flaws just by being human. And so, How can you shift your focus to where you and your relationship do shine? Because imposter syndrome is almost looking for the opposite. It's looking for all the ways that you're not good enough, that the relationship isn't working, and that you could be doing better. And so it's an intentional practice to shift towards celebration of what is working. This next tip comes from Mel Robbins, and she has shared recently this catchphrase And it's two simple words, but it's really helpful when you can remember these two words and intentionally practice them day to day. The two words are let them. So even if someone has an opinion about your relationship, maybe they do think there's an incompatibility or they do think that the relationship isn't as good, let them, right? It's an active practice of releasing and surrendering control of somebody else's opinion and it's focusing on your own lane because this is your relationship and it's not someone else's. They don't know the full extent of it. They're only seeing a part of it, right? And so ultimately you're the one that gets to decide and deem your relationship as good enough. And unless you are in a dangerous situation where someone's really looking out for you, then ultimately it's your job to be the one that buys in to the relationship. I talk more about this in episode 13 of the podcast with friends and family's opinions about a relationship. And a lot of times, most people are just projecting their inner stuff onto your situation, or they just really care about you and they want the best for you, of course. But sometimes people offering help 
is not necessarily as helpful as they intend it to be. So this phrase, let them, is a reminder that you can let people think what they want to think and show up how they want to show up, but you can reshift back to focusing on you and how you are showing up in the relationship. Another kind of reframe or phrase that I have found helpful is asking myself, am I focused right now on what is or what if? So when it comes to relationship imposter syndrome, the person that submitted this question said that they feel confident and content with their partner and their relationship. So that is what is. What if is what if other people see through that? What if other people don't approve of my relationship? So it's important to almost fact check yourself sometimes and be like, what is how things are? What is true or what is happening versus the what ifs that our brain can give us? Because our brain can give us a majillion, bajillion, that's not even a word, majillion, (laughs) majillion different what if scenarios. What if this happens? What if this works out? What if this doesn't work out? What if this person thinks this? What if this person thinks that? There's an unlimited amount of potential scenarios that could happen. But that doesn't mean that those things are the case. And so bringing yourself back to what you do know about yourself, about your partner, and reinforcing that is important. And last tip here is to continue practicing having a growth mindset and being intentional in your relationship. So as I quickly gave earlier a little bit more information around growth mindset, essentially it's believing that you and your partner and your relationship can grow. Now it doesn't automatically mean that just because you can grow, you will grow, but Practicing a growth mindset means like I know that my relationship is not necessarily exactly how it's going to look forever. So no matter what people think of our relationship as it is now, we're constantly growing and evolving and practicing showing up in your relationship intentionally because you don't have to be perfect in your relationship right now. Um, You don't have to have everything figured out and everything perfect. And at the same time, you can continue to put effort and energy and intentionality into growing a relationship bit by bit over time. And what you water grows. So what you put your energy toward will pay off in different ways. And when you know that you are being intentional, when you know that you are pouring into your relationship and you know that you're creating momentum in your relationship through actions and showing up with loving actions in your relationship, then the imposter syndrome is less likely to show up because you're doing the quote, quote, work. You're showing up intentionally. Whereas if you're not being intentional and you're not showing up in your relationship, then you may question like, oh, well, am I putting in the energy that I know I could be? And that might be what is fueling some of the imposter syndrome. So A lot of the imposter syndrome, I think, is coming more from an internal fear-based place. But at the same time, you can always diffuse a little bit of the imposter syndrome by continuing to show up intentionally. Now, it doesn't mean showing up perfectly. It doesn't mean that you have to have all your energy focused on your relationship, quite the opposite. But giving yourself some sort of you know, maybe daily intention or just like, how can I show up 
as present as possible in my relationship for at least an hour today, whatever it is. And knowing that once you do that, that you're taking steps towards creating momentum in your relationship. So very quickly, just to recap, a few ways to respond differently when you notice relationship imposter syndrome showing up. The first is by being kind to yourself for experiencing it and remembering that it's coming from a deeper fear or insecurity. The second is by practicing coming back to the present moment in front of you and remembering that you are safe, even when it feels like you might be on edge worrying about what other people think. By shifting your focus to celebration and what is working in the relationship, using the let them phrase from Mel Robbins to release the focus so much on what other people are thinking about your relationship and remembering that if that feels hard because you are really worried about what other people think, then that is coming from a deeper fear. And then you can come back to the compassion and you can come back to the practice of getting present and feeling safe. So all of these relate to each other in some way. The fifth was by asking the question, am I focused on what is or what if? And practicing coming back to what is versus getting stuck in what ifs. And then lastly is continuing to work on having a growth mindset and continuing to be intentional in your relationship so that you know that you are pouring in effort towards moving it forward. Not perfect effort, but effort nonetheless. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate you listening this year and this will be the last episode before the new year. So wishing you a very happy new year and lots of love. Thank you so much and I'll see you in 2024. Thank you so much for listening to the Love and You Learn podcast. If you've been enjoying the podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could rate and review the podcast because the more ratings and reviews there are, the more people that can hear this message. And it's really important to me to get this message out to the world and to create a space where people can learn about love and relationships in a way that is not judgmental, in a way that helps them expand their perspective from the cultural narratives that we've heard and seen in the movies and in Hollywood and the media. And the more ratings and reviews that are there, the more people that can hear this message. So thank you again so much. It really means the world to me that you are listening and see you in the next episode.